Welcome to the Argo Rule Minisode. This month, we'll be talking about Kramer v. Kramer. That's right. We had so many thoughts on that that KVK. boy. Let's hop into it because that movie was fucked. (laughs) Call this Argo Rule Uncensored. <laughs> call this all systems Argo. Let's just hop <laughs> Maybe into films are all systems Argo. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, we're all systems Argo on this mini. So, you want to talk about how Dustin Hoffman kisses that lady and it's just assault? Okay. So, for context, listeners, because I do not expect that you've watched Kramer v. Kramer because we told you not to watch Kramer v. Kramer. Uh, but. Uh, essentially, Dustin Hoffman goes looking for a job because he gets fired right before his custody hearing for his son. And he goes in to interview for this job while they're actively having a Christmas office party. And after he gets the job, impossibly, by the way, after he gets the job, uh, he randomly kisses a lady without her consent it is up until that my favorite scene in the movie because it is it is ridiculous in a way that is just believable enough to be fun and then the 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 like the they big, ruin it and the punchline of the scene is him kissing a woman without her consent a woman he does not know and a woman he will be working with it is oh my god i didn't even think about that he's gonna be working with that woman she's at the christmas party she will never be able to escape him oh that's awful i didn't even consider the fact that oh that's terrible nope yep and speaking of of speaking of this movie's issues with women because that was awful like because you're you're watching that scene and you're like Oh, okay, cool. He got the job. He's going to be able to like succeed in his quest here. Right. Um, and be able to go to the custody hearing, uh, saying, showing that he has a job and that he's capable. And you're like really proud of him for a second until that moment, even though the moment is incredulous, because that's not how you get a job. Um <laughs> and like and it what I like about it that that almost cuz like he's clearly overqualified it makes sense that they would have the meeting with him and Absolutely. especially if you like, take a pay cut that deep yeah and I like that like if you are forceful and willing to look crazy sometimes it works even though I would not have hired that man. I also would not have hired that man. <laughs> if if some dude was like, I need this, <laughs> I would be like, I, I, I'm good, man. I'd be like, not today, you don't. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that scene brings me to another one of the weirdest scenes because I one, I'm glad that you were also weirded out by that but um this movie is filled with just bizarre scenes that are i think fine for the time period but not not fine for us as your regular everyday people watching it in the year of our lord 2020 uh and i want to let the assault on (laughs) the blonde woman in the office 
I want that to lead us to the hypocrisy of uh, Phyllis Bernard, who we did not cover um, in the actual Argo Rule episode. Yes. Where he has the short fling. Exactly. He has the short fling with Phyllis, um, a woman in his office. And he has, so it's supposed to be, he brings her home and he sleeps with her. And it's supposed to be a comedic moment where, you know, he brought her home and she wakes up in the morning and she bumps into the sun. Yes. The problem is that they tried to make a comedic moment out of her being naked in front of the sun. And it's not funny. It's very weird. It's not funny. It lasts way too long. The lead up is funny, but then there's no punchline. It's just she's naked in front of the kid. The kid doesn't react. That's it. There's no like. Then they both go back into their rooms, which is a good gag, but there's no there's no payoff to there's it. no payoff it's very, it's very weird. strange and the only other part of the movie and you can tell that this director likes parallels because they parallel so many other moments like they parallel the bizarre kitchen scene which we'll probably get to oh my gosh uh, they, yeah. par- they parallel the single parents scene where it was wasn't it joanna and margaret and then now it's uh ted and margaret there's there's so many like moments that are meant there's to be like reciprocal. And then there's the moment where Joanna's on the stand and the lawyer is freakishly yelling at her about the possibility of having a lover. And that meaning the home is unstable and that it's inappropriate. And they, I don't know if this was purposeful or not having that scene with Phyllis, but the movie is not self-aware enough for it to be to Cause in the movie, it's not considered a problem that Phyllis is there. It's not portrayed as a bad thing or a problem or as something that would lead to instability in the home because the son doesn't react. It's kind of like what we said in the in the full episode that in a movie that was more equipped to handle this, that could be a good parallel to draw of, well, you know, he can have lovers. It, it, there's nothing wrong with having another partner after your divorce, but they don't pay any, they don't draw any real attention to it it's not well it's not even they don't draw attention to it it's that phyllis bernard doesn't matter after that one scene never i expected her to show up or for the son to be to say anything about is she replacing mom sure and like but and like like i guess i guess she only came over the one time so because we don't see her come over any time. The movie and he takes never talks no stance her. on Phyllis and on the one night stand. And because it doesn't do that, it creates confusion as to why that scene wasn't left on the cutting room floor. I think it's literally just, oh, he has a fling. Oh, wait, he forgot about his son. And like, I think it's just a slice of life thing, like some of the other stuff, but it feels very weird because it unintentionally brings up a lot of gender commentary, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem aware that it's doing that. Yeah. One, I love that you dropped slice of life. Like, 
I think um, that's a lot of this movie, to be honest. But I love that you mentioned that it's like, haha, it's funny. It's slice of life. He forgot that he's a dad because so much of the movie, and especially in the first like third, is I have a son now, which it's not like he didn't have a son. In fact, yeah. he did have a son five years prior to the start of this movie. Yet he doesn't know what grade his son's in. That's explicitly stated. You know, he says that he's not going to let his son blow it for him. That being the promotion and the conversation with his superior. He's upset right. at his son for being upset that he's late to pick him up from school. It, it's very interesting watching the movie forgive him for being a bad father. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is he gets to have the journey of becoming a better parent. Um the movie is, like we said, is not interested in Joanna at all. So it just, like, the, all of my favorite parts of this movie are only about Dustin Hoffman. Like, when he's away from, or almost entirely when he's away from his kid. Yes. Because I can just, I can just enjoy his whole job being full of, like, villainy of the evil boss being, evil like, boss who does you have kids. How disgusting that you're a father. You, you, you're a single parent? Why don't you send your child away to live with your family? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have. I expect 20 hours per day. Your son may not interfere with your 20 hour per day work week. No, the, he said, I need you 24 7. You're right, he did. <laughs> and <laughs> even when he had to pick his son up from school, he still tries to tell the, he still tries to tell Ted or Dustin Hoffman a whole story. It's like you can see this man is going to go pick up his kid. <laughs> it, it, again, that's the kind of stuff the movie is doing really well. Yeah. Like that feels like it's maybe it's for, it feels like it's from the novel and it feels like, cause my guess is whoever wrote this novel, like this is real. Like this happened to this guy, except in a way that's a lot less shitty. <laughs> like <laughs> his wife probably had a lot of, you know, he's a person and yeah. not, <laughs> but that, feels real just a boss who does not understand what taking care of a child is because his if he has kids his wife has done it for their whole marriage and can't even comprehend it also evils of capitalism so i love that even if that's not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, but it's very much that the sacrificing everything else in your life for money uh, the way in which he's so detached from his family um, and is yes. so worried about being the breadwinner. Um, weirdly frames toxic masculinity very well. Um, <laughs> the evils of capitalism and the ways in which toxic masculinity can make men a victim of the way that society views them as having to be, you know, constantly working and having to be constantly a provider and not have a reciprocal relationship. Well, and that's that's one of the weird elements of the movie. It has some things to say on societal sexism, but they're all only the ones that hurt the men. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it's very the, much a pick me movie. Yes. <laughs> it's the ma the toxic masculinity bit, the tender doctrine bit where like 
you know, the woman is far more likely to win a custody case no matter what. The like Or I guess uh, a MGTOW movie, maybe? There's some MIG there's some there's some MGTOW energy. There's absolutely some men going their own way energy in this. Yeah. <laughs> I did you ever think that he was gonna get together with Margaret? I did not think he was going to get together with Mark. I saw that and I was actually very, that was one of the things I was actually very pleasantly. Uh, yeah, same. Pleasant, uh, not pleasantly surprised because I wasn't surprised. I think I was just very pleasantly going along with because I think it's important for movies to show relationships with uh, between men and women as being more than just sexual or romantic or friendship with the hopes of something more. Um, and I think that that's something that's very toxic in our current culture. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, like the idea that a man won't bother to be friends with a woman uh, it, unless he is going to get something from her um, in regards to a sexual favor. I didn't yeah. see that in this movie and very much appreciated it. Yeah, I was uh, also pleasantly surprised that that's not where it went. I I didn't think he was going to go for it or like aim for that, but I th- I wondered if they were going to do a weird rom com like fall into it thing, and I was like, whoa, that would not fit with this movie. Um, <laughs> but they didn't. They're just friends again. It's weird how quickly she switched from <laughs> friend of Joanna to friend of Ted, but still that was something that i really enjoyed in regards to this movie's terrible relationship with women that in particular is a highlight it's one of the it's it's a pretty big highlight i agree also this is just a this is a totally different like thought but do neither of them have parents we never hear (laughs) a thing about the kids grandparents like at all or like christmas or like they have a christmas thing where do they go for Christmas? Does does the kid see his mom's family for Christmas? I wonder I about that, but I also wonder if adding that would have made the movie's messaging that it was trying to get through more obscure. It would have made it less focused for sure. Um, it's just it, there are ways in which the movie is deeply unrealistic, and I don't know if that's intentional or not. Like some of the ways there's a lack of outside, I guess not unrealistic in that sense, but there's a, it's, it's, it's a hyper-focused movie on like four characters and a couple of side characters. And it just doesn't bring anything else in. I guess I shouldn't call it unrealistic in the same way. Like everything in court is unrealistic because that, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. That was too much, but just, yeah. Ooh, I, oh my gosh, all the multiple times the lawyers like call, like make objections. And it just seems to be a toss up whether the judge will say, like, they will like sustain or overrule. It's insane that they even say objection when it's like, you can't, none of this, none of this is okay. What do you mean? Yeah, this whole thing is objectionable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, speaking of things that are insane, I want to point this out because this fits into that theme of like fatherhood and him trying to, you know, him becoming a good parent and toxic masculinity and men showing their emotions. There's one scene in this movie that I found incredibly insane, even on the first watch. And I told you that on the first watch, I did not find the courtroom scene insane. 
So I need you to understand how insane I found this. <laughs> In the scene where he's having uh, dinner with his boss and he's about to be fired, right? And he doesn't know it. And he's talking about his kid and he's fawning over uh, his child, which is a thing that totally makes sense, right? He's a parent. Right. And the boss is visibly disgusted by... <laughs> he thinks it's gross. Uh, by that. But, okay, <laughs> I'm going to try to explain this. He tries to offer his food on his plate to his boss. <laughs> right! Is that it's, what men think women do to just anyone? I th- do they think it's a parent thing? Is that supposed to I be have... a like maternal paternal moment? Is it supposed to be feminizing? Is it supposed to make him seem lesser than? Because like I was look, I rewatched this scene multiple times, and the camera even looks a little tilted, so the boss looks larger than Ted in that moment. I hated that. So much. If I was at dinner with like with with David, right? One of my close my closest friend in the world, probably. Right? Are you offering this man the food off your plate? If he offered if he put out his fork with food on it towards my face, I For you to eat it with the intention of you eating it off of said fork. I would look at him like he was a psycho. I would, he was a straight up freak. If I was on a work outing, a business function, and my and my subordinate, my, not even my, somebody under me, was like, "Have some." I would. I. I think I would have to leave. Like HR speaking, <laughs> I would have to leave the restaurant. It is the most confusing scene of the entire movie that scene is such a weird and it must have been an acting choice by dustin hoffman had to be no other choice has to have been no one would ask you to do that i cannot imagine that happening like in a script and it just being a normal thing like like the boss is like oh that's weird like oh that's gross like he's like low-key you as opposed to what you would actually do, which, which is, is what the fuck? Get that out of my face. <laughs> I have never in my life, I think, offered someone food off my fork. No, if you were going to offer food to someone that like, if you're like, oh, hey, we all got different foods. Let's try it. You do not give them the food off your, you don't feed them the food off your fork for them to put their mouth on your fork that you just had your mouth on. The only time you, I can imagine. And then put it back in your mouth because you put it back in his mouth after the boss declines. The only time that could ever happen is spouse or child. That's it. And frankly, it's a little weird then. But at least, like, it's just, like, it's, like, normal gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's normal gross. Like, if you watch a couple feed each other, you're like, yeah, that's kind of gross. But yeah, they're like being gross, food or whatever. Get a room, but whatever. But, like, <laughs> it, like, my boss, and I'm like, yo, have a bite of this. Like, I, again, I would think – I. I would think that was a proposition or so, like I would think that was aggressive flirting. 
Honestly, what? I am so glad you were just as weirded out by that because the fact that we didn't talk about that scene was causing me actual distress. I mean, I was not, I I don't think I was as weird. Like I definitely saw it and laughed at it and made fun of it, but I didn't remember it until you just now told it to me. I so explicitly remembered it. I rewatched it in the moment. <laughs> See for for me I had um <laughs> the the courtroom wiped everything previous out. See for like, me him smiling in the courtroom as I said on the on the main pod uh I replayed him smiling and the camera like showing his face as he said you're not a failure. Oh Joanna <sighs> I know you're not a failure. And, like they're both <laughs> crying and like she's crying because she's just had the worst experience of her life and he's no, crying. He's not crying. He's sad. He's not crying in that scene. Oh, he's not? I thought no. he was crying. He is oh. softly smiling. It is disgusting. Mm. <laughs> and he does not apologize after that. No, no, we do not get an apology scene. The thing that I find weird is the way he's made a victim of his wife. And the way that the movie suggests that Joanna should move on because she's learned from her previous mistakes of leaving her family. And he has learned from the mistake of being neglectful of his family. And the way that the movie suggests that mothers can and should be satisfied by only being mothers, but fathers can do the work and... (laughs) be parents and shouldn't be discriminated against or punished for caring about their family. That's the thing. It's it. The movie is just so uninterested in Joanna. It makes her uh, a villain. And I think somewhat humanized by Meryl Streep, but like it, I don't even think the movie intends to be as sexist as it is because it seems like based on the Joanna character, there is some like, Oh, yeah, maybe she should have been able to live her life and raise her child. But we get nothing about her. So it doesn't care. It's it just, it, there's nothing there. We don't even learn about her life after she moves back. We learn that she has a lover. Uh, and we learn that she works at a magazine company and that she makes more than Ted. But we don't learn anything else about her life. And the movie straight up accuses her of being selfish, you know, saying that if she destroys the re- destroys, quote, destroys the relationship between the father and son, it might be irreparable. What? She raised the child for five years before he decided he was interested in being a father. And he didn't even decide he was interested in being a father. She left. I'm not saying that her leaving is okay. I'm not saying it's okay. I am saying that she needed help because let's remember, trigger yeah. warning, she was suicidal. And and I don't think the movie intends us to take that seriously at all. Which is also problematic. Oh, yeah. Deeply. <laughs> Deeply. It, She's it, just she, being a woman. She is set up as if she is hysterical. It's from Ted's perspective, and Ted thinks she is hysterical. What we don't get is the flip side where we learn, oh no, she's in a an awful mental state and needs help. And possibly a somewhat abusive relationship where all of her needs are being neglected. We only see That's the glimpse point. of him throwing the you know, glass of water on the wall, which if that's an indicator of how that relationship's been when she expresses herself, even when she tries to leave, he grabs her. He does. And he's very pushy um, when she's leaving. He even puts her stuff back. Yeah, she doesn't go with her stuff. He grabs it. 
Like, and that was very off-putting to me the first time. Which is different from a lot of modern movies where the wife leaves. Because usually what happens is the wife leaves to go stay with her family or she kicks the husband out to go to a hotel. But usually what happens is she leaves and he's like, man, I need to reflect on what I did, which does not happen. I kind of liked that, that it takes him a while for it to sink in that she's gone and that it's his fault. That was pretty moving. But it's... It still grows. <laughs> yeah, it, it just leaves you with a bad feeling because you don't really see him learn the lesson. Because you don't feel the way time passes until... That's what it is. The movie doesn't show properly the way that time passes uh, until the single parents club scene where he's talking with Margaret. And because that scene is right before he tells his son that he was being selfish and that's why his wife left, it doesn't yeah. feel like enough time passed for him to learn she's not coming back and she's not coming back because I was an asshole. Right. And and also, like, he doesn't ever – he doesn't have to lose anything after she leaves to get that. Like, like he learns that. Because it sucks to raise a kid alone. <laughs> and then his, like, I guess penance for that is the custody battle, which is her fault in the parlance of the movie. Like, so there's no, there's no of like him actually having to, I don't know, repent or make amends or anything. Because when she returns, it is as the antagonist. The Like, the movie writes her to do these ridiculous things, but it writes her in a way that absolves Ted of a lot of the guilt. He doesn't really lose anything, and therefore it feels like he didn't learn a lesson. Like, he goes from being a proud breadwinner for his family to being a victimized father. And I feel like it's interesting that, like, the writers want him to fit into the sort of stereotype of the breadwinner father. And, and then the movie tells us, well, he's a good parent because he's been a good parent for the past 18 months, but doesn't really show us much of those 18 months or give us enough timestamps for us to feel like it's been the amount of time that the show is saying. And then when we flip to the end of the movie, you know, after he's past sort of victimized father, the show is kind of points at Meryl Streep's character and says, look at this emotional mess of a woman deciding to do the right thing, quote, by leaving her son with her ex-husband. It's very, like, again, there's no, it's very confusing as to why uh, joint custody is not, because that's just the answer. That's the answer. Honestly, they're both in New York. It is the yeah. answer. It's absolutely the answer. Like, because she deserves to have contact with her son. She's not a danger to him in any way. Like yeah. he should have access, you know, to his mom. And she got and counseling. Right. She, she's in a much better place. She it even talks fine. about how she's in the healthier space, despite the lawyer trying to force her to, <laughs> to say that she hasn't changed and that she. The lawyer trying to force her that her relationship was a failure, which has no bearing on the case or any case. It's very weird. But 
Yeah, it's it's I mean, again, her coming back and instantly suing him for custody. It only makes sense if she thinks that he is either abusive or neglectful or in some way bad for the child. Exactly. Based on the movie, that's not what she thinks. She just wants to have custody. Like there's a better movie in here somewhere where we can see things from or we see things from her perspective and he looks like a bad father and she's you know her last interactions with him he was not a good father he, he wasn't based on yeah and in and public we, he's visibly not a good dad like when they go to the grocery store and <laughs> and his son's lecturing him on what to buy there's a version of this movie somewhere where we see a little bit because i do like how he grows as a father Yeah. His kid is not really realistic. And it would be interesting to see a movie where things on the outside look like he's a bad father. And so then suddenly it makes her make sense as a character. So the glass scene where he throws the glass at the wall and it, and she gets hit with shards of glass mentioned multiple times because I found that very scary. Yes, it is a, it is a, I mean, everyone gets blamed for it because the director kept it in. But as I mentioned in the full episode, it was an an ad lib by Dustin Hoffman that he did not tell Meryl Streep, which is inexcusable. Actually problematic. It's also a terrible thing for the movie because it brings a whole level of like violence that does not – it doesn't fit and it makes everything seem really awful. Like it, it just doesn't. It doesn't feel. It suddenly changes who you are on the side of in the scene. It exactly and, reminds you of who he was at the beginning of the movie. Yes, and maybe they're trying to do something of like when confronted with something like this upsetting, he will like rebound to his old ways. But that's not something you can do unless that's. Like, you're going to do something with that. But it also doesn't make the case, then, for why he should have custody of the son. You know, if you're going to revert to your old ways under pressure, you know, that's not okay when you have a child relying on you. That's not a sign of stability. You know, we're supposed to be seeing that the character of Ted has grown to become a more caring individual, someone who's more understanding, someone who will creepily try to feed his uh, boss. boss. (laughs) The ultimate Um, measure of a man. The ultimate measure of paternity, apparently. It feels like a huge regression. Outside of that glass, he doesn't revert. It feels out of place and weird because it is. The character has moved on past that, and that's that's more violent than we ever saw him be. They shouldn't have kept so that in the just, movie. They really shouldn't have. I literally just had a conversation with my roommate um, about uh, – we were basically watching a reality show where uh, a character was upset and he threw a rock through a window. And I say a character, but this is a person actually on a reality show. Uh, and, they, and and he threw a rock through a window when he was upset. And literally what my roommate said to me was, <laughs> oh, no, that's unacceptable. This person is out of control and cannot control themselves. They are immediately 
not a stable person or viable as a like romantic candidate because it's a dating show. Somebody who can't control themselves, that's not a trustworthy, stable person. Yeah. That's like, not somebody who you want to be having custody of a child. Meryl Streep conceding her son after that moment makes no sense. That's something that you could mention in court, and it was not mentioned. I do wonder how much of it is 1979 sexist logic. I think it's 1979 sexist logic, personally. I'm like, yeah, of like nobody, we're not even going to bring this up in this custody hearing, even though that and the kid getting hurt would be the two pillars of the argument. Also, it is telling that the biggest thing that Ted is being hit for in the court is something that he had that is about as close to not his fault as it could be and something that he was immediately like distraught over like a thing that could happen to any parent and something that he immediately reacted like any parent would to you know utter panic and you know a need to make sure his child is safe it is about as close to like it wasn't his fault though as you can possibly get And that is the only thing that his wife has. The father is given so much leeway to be crabby, especially at the beginning. We haven't talked about the breakfast scene where he angrily makes French toast in the grossest way I've ever seen. Oh, my God. That unseasoned French toast. (laughs) (laughs) French toast with With, his fingers in the egg. Fingers in it. And also, oh, my God. And then don't not even his fingers in the egg. The fact that there's shell in the egg. And the shell. Yeah, 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 the shell. It's it's terrible food. Um, And like, yeah, yeah, yes. (laughs) I, that bizarre cooking scene, I, I don't know. Like, he was so bitter that he had to take care of himself and his son and go to work in a way that was it was just so disgusting yes i he was so resentful he was like oh i have to go to work and i have to make my own breakfast and i have to take care of my child it is so disconcerting i, I legitimately i think it's i think that is like fantastic movie making like i think that was done Perfectly, because he is this wonderful mix of resentful and entitled and overwhelmed because he has no clue how to do this. Not even a little. And doesn't believe his wife is gone yet. Like he doesn't, that has not dawned. It That whole thing felt extremely believable to me that he is like confused and harried and mean and like it's, it's, it's it is often difficult to watch but that was one of the parts of the movie where i was like okay yeah yeah that's real yeah that's 100% real i mean here's the thing i hated it i'm not i don't think it was bad i agree with you that i don't think it was bad especially with the like the director loving their parallels um <laughs> and you know showing the more normal scene at the end Yes. Um, I felt like that scene was bizarre. And I keep using the word bizarre because it was successful. 
in making me stressed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> successfully made me stressed about the future of his situation, their home life. I wasn't sure how things were going to turn out. That scene successfully invested me in his journey to to being a yes. better father. It is a wonderful like because it 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 makes us anxious for the kid. It makes us anxious for their situation. It also puts us perfectly into his mindset because he is stressed and uncertain and confused. It's 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 exactly. really well done. And it, and it, makes it works feel well bad. too. I know, right? And it works well too because he doesn't it shows that he doesn't know even how to take care of himself. How is he going to take care of this kid? Because it rem- it made me recall when Joanna left. She said to Ted, "I paid all the bills." You know, she said, essentially, I have completed all of the tasks to make this home run for the next month. You are on your own now. Yeah. And that's that's fascinating to me, too, just on a like a a cultural level of the and not that this doesn't happen now, but the idea of the man just all you need to do is go to work and come home. That's it. That's all the effort you're supposed to put in in the social contract. Your wife has to uh, take care of your children, take care of you, take care of the house. Um, take care of the finances. <laughs> the finances thing was weird specifically because I always really? coded that as a male like like thing, but maybe that's just because my dad did that. Yeah, I've never I've never coded the finances as male. I've always coded it as a household duty. You're taking care of the house. Mm. Um my aunt uh who is in a I I feel like a very traditional relationship um where she does a lot of like the home making. Yeah. Uh she in particular takes care of the finances. Although my uncle does the cooking. I think it's very cute. That being said, I um, looking back, I feel like money is usually managed as a household thing. I think it depends because I think there's also like a lot of the man holds the purse strings kind of thing. Like you've got to give your wife money for stuff. Ah, uh, okay. You're not wrong. I've seen it that way. I've seen it as like it can be the, the woman manages the finances and yeah, okay. I can see what you mean. I think either – I think there – I think I mean, there's just a lot of different – types of switches but um yeah well and i mean also money is never never a concern in this movie oh it is it is specifically only a concern when joanna is making more than (laughs) like he's gonna take a pay cut and it's like it's not doesn't seem like this is gonna matter even a little bit you're not gonna have to move from your psychotic psychotically big new york apartment yeah, uh, and can we talk about the fact that I hate this in movies, and I hate this about inflation. They have that apartment. So before, this is going to blow your mind, Jamal. So mm-hmm. in the new job, uh, he made about 28K. Okay, yeah. And Joanna made 31K. Before, he made 33K. Let's do a little. Let's do a little quick. Um, How much was thirty three k? How much is worth in <laughs> worth in? Uh, so, based I, on this, no. Holy 
shit. What? 118,285 dollars and 91 cents. Oh my god. If she's making 31, she like what do you mean? She absolutely could have been working. Y'all could have been doubly rich if you weren't a dick who was prideful. Like she was making 111,000 after not being in the workforce for five years. Like I know they both had like art degrees or whatever. And he was in like an ad campaign. Like the fact that that is, they were rich. They were rich. That's why money never came up in, except for in that specific case. What did he drop to 28 K? Yeah. How much was that? Oh no, Jess. No, he'll only be making $100,363.80 a year. That is a fake problem. <laughs> that is. That is. That is. Like, that that difference in amount of money is a fake problem. Well, Kramer versus Kramer. It's certainly there, isn't it? Kramer versus Kramer. It exists. You can watch it. If you want to watch a movie back when people smoked indoors or wore shin-length patterned skirts with brown riding boots to their party at their office job in the city, you could watch a different movie. Well, you could watch Argo. You could watch Argo. (laughs) You know what they won't do in Argo? What? Nobody will offer each other food on their own fork. (laughs) Stop! (laughs) Thanks for listening, Thanks for listening, folks. Bye. (laughs) Goodbye.